0: Well, John Perillo is with us, and it is time for money music. John, I t- I laugh at
1: that. That comedian. Uh, I'm just sorry, I was laughing. Oh, that was so funny. I enjoyed that. Thank you, and and the walk up music. Thank you. That was great. It's about um, time we do
0: you. We had to do your your intro. It's your intro. You come on.
1: I I appreciate it. I, I like to make believe it's walk up music, you know. But uh, not that I'm a, a fighter or anything. But hey, uh, I. I uh, I appreciate uh, you all being joining us again this morning. And and last week I asked you and the listeners there to keep an eye out for what's going on in China and the market rate uh, there, there is down something like 30%. Uh, they're printing money at a rate that makes our money printing seem like amateurs work. Huh. And on top of all that, they're facing a really large real estate crisis. Bobby's mentioned that before. And it affects us, of course. And, you know, and in fact, I'd argue that much of the influx of the Chinese migrants that we're seeing at the southern border is not an invasion in the sense that they're placing agents here, although we should certainly be cautious about that, but rather that the middle class and anyone with the means to do so is fleeing that sinking ship. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, and there was this interesting article by, uh, by a woman named uh, Therese Shane Ch- on this collapse. And that got me back to thinking about the subject and the one thing that has kept the current regime in power for so long has been the rise of the Chinese middle class. And in about the half a century since the end of the Mao era, the Chinese Communist Party basically relies on their growing and pro- getting more prosperous middle class for its legitimacy. Right? It's, the, it's that middle class that's the proof to them that the communist way is working. And, and you know, we talk about poverty in the U.S., but we really have no idea what real poverty is. There's something like 600 million Chinese still living on $5 a day and probably another close to 200 million, what I'll call rural migrants in the cities, meaning those people who were desperately poor, who went to the cities and are now making about $15 to $25 a day. And again, unlike anything that we experience in the U.S., these people have almost no chance of improving their lives because of something called the Hoku, which is the Chinese Communist Party's really harsh internal passport system and you can't just say hey there are no jobs here i'm going to move over there and one of the keys to us uh our ability to earn more money is our ability to be mobile right so mobility is one of the key attributes to our prosperity and lots of reasons why it's waning over here but that's a separate discussion we'll get into later maybe but if you remember from a few Monday musings ago, we discussed how the bargain that the Chinese Communist Party has with its people was something like increasing prosperity in exchange for supporting the regime, or at least not active opposition. Right? So, but so far, that, pos- that poster- uh, prosperity really hasn't touched these huge numbers of, of these lower middle class citizens. And these are the people who are, you know, the, there are people who are benefiting from the new Communist Party. You know, but they're the most highly educated and the most up old, upwardly mobile citizens who live in places like Beijing and Shanghai and Guangzhou and, and the, big, um, the big kind of important cities from a, from a political standpoint. But these lower class urban uh, people who have moved from the countryside, and remember, there's roughly 600 million of them. They're the people who make your, sh- your shoes and your phones and all the other stuff we get here in the States, and they're beginning to have, it seems, a real change in heart. In their support for the Communist Party, uh, they were really brutalized during a, the COVID lockdowns, and that led to widespread tensions across the cities. And it was so bad. And, and,
0: and remember the, the COVID
1: began- lockdowns; ours were stupid,
0: theirs were brutal. Yes. People were brutal. they were they were uh, literally padlocked into their apartments.
1: Yes, if you <laughs> exactly right as Bobby described, if you violated the curfew they would come by with a welding torch and weld your door shut. They'd kill your pets. (laughs) They'd kill your pets. Exactly. If you took your pets out, they thought that at the early part of COVID, nobody thought nobody knew whether the pets could spread it. So they just kill them. Right. This is the kind of thing, these lower, and they all lived in these huge apartment complexes near these places that build all these things that we buy. So, so there was absolute control of this kind of what I call again, lower middle-class citizens. Right. So, um, it got so bad that the regime actually acknowledged what uh, this kind of a social crisis, something they rarely do. And in the most recent COVID, they had they had another zero policy. They had a couple of COVID cases. They went back to zero, uh, zero, po- uh, zero tolerance. They shut everything down, and they lifted the lockdown overnight. And what happened was this lower urban middle class began to revolt, and the and the Communist Party realized, hey, we, we don't, we we probably can't do this, and that's what happened. So. We discussed also how the uh, uh, People's Republic of China uses technology to crack down on any freedom that might have crept into the system. So things like geofencing your phone, which means they can take your phone and draw a circle around it and see what other phones are near it. So if there was a protest, they can determine who is standing near the protesters, right? And they can use that. To shut down your ability to travel or even have access to your bank accounts, and that's how the Chinese Communist Party controls its citizens. That and an extensive network of uh, cameras and facial recognition that they use. But in exchange for that kind of harsh policy, the citizens got what what Xi used to call the Chinese dream, and his vision that he described in 2012 was for the country to be, and I'm going to quote him here: a moderately well-off society by 2021, right? So that's the goal moderately well off and that that tells you where their starting point was well now it's 2024 and it seems that these chinese deem dream is either dead no matter what else you're hearing from anybody else in the press okay unemployment among college educated urban residents is 20 percent or more right 20 percent is acknowledged by the communist party so you can you can guess it's more than that and remember their college educated kids don't have things like gender, uh, gender studies, right? They have real degrees, you know, even if some of that education is tainted by the party, you know, things like uh, the study of economics, for instance, would be tainted. But, you know, most of these kids that are, that are educated are educated in math and science and STEM, and they're 20% unemployment. And in addition to the economic issues that the lockdowns created, they also created a whole bunch of resentment and anger. And now that economic growth has stalled, and in ra- reality, is probably declining the, the, despite the official statistics. To the contrary, that's starting to crush these people. And then the other thing that's happening is that the middle class no longer believes that things will continue to improve for them. And this could lead them to question everything else, including the whole communist party. And now, if your life is getting better, you might accept some lack of freedom that comes with communism. And that's always been the danger with totalitarian societies. What they try to do is say, hey, we're going to give you – you know, some, uh, a little bit better off living. We'll give you money. We'll give you whatever it is in exchange for you giving some of your freedom to us. That's, that's how, that's how these things work. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then everybody starts to question the entire deal. And then he had that real estate bubble that just started to collapse. And as Bob had mentioned earlier, once that collapses, there's really nothing to explain to, to replace it, and they're in
0: the midst of a of a demographic collapse at the same time.
1: Yes, yes, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that in a second, right? So so what you're seeing now is wages starting to drop down, currency is drifting downward, which the the Chinese Communist Party intentionally was trying to do in order to spur exports, right? Um, the yuan is in, and they did that and order orders also stop deflation. More and more high-skilled work is being done by robots. And by the way, if this sounds familiar to anybody, you know, feel free to stop me. And oh, by the way, in the production of robots, according to the Center for Strategic and International Studies, is up by a factor of about 20% since 2012. A third of the global robot sales are going to the People's Republic of China. A third. And again, if you're a lower-middle-class person in China, that's your job. And another scary feature is how much economic activity in China has now gone to the informal sector. You know, China is an authoritarian state, with totalitarian characteristics. So every society, everything that you do in that society is monitored by the government. Well, if you're doing business informally, and that means bartering and the like, then that means they can't control you. And there's a little bit of that's always in to- it gets tolerated in societies. But when there's a lot of it, it means that citizens don't believe that the regular system works for them. And, you know, so what we're seeing, in my opinion, is that the young people are deciding to give up. And how do you know that besides me just telling you that, although you should trust me? Um, But the stats show that young people there are not getting married, even those who can. And remember, we talked earlier about, you know, there's not enough women to make that happen because of the one child policy, which really was biased towards towards young male students. But even the women that are available aren't getting married. Then the people who are getting married aren't having children, and even though they're now allowed to have more than one. So they don't – and then they don't want this cutthroat pursuit of fewer and fewer jobs that they now believe is not leading to prosperity and mobility. And and there was an unstated kind of social construct known as 996, which was you start work at 9 a.m., you work to 9 p.m. for six days a week. And that was, that was kind of the thing when we were there, when I was there. I used to work in China for my company on occasion. Uh, those people worked extremely hard. But the younger, educated folks aren't having any of it. They're basically walking away from that. So this isn't a democracy where unhappy citizens get to you know kick their leaders out. Uh, but this middle-class Chinese group is starting to vote with their feet. And if you remember my opening, illegal immigration from China – Is on the rise. So, according to Bloomberg, I think it was last December, illegal illegal immigration into the U.S. from the People's Republic of China was up more than 100%, with something like 60,000 crossing since 2022. Now, Um, John, let's ask this
0: question, though, and that's uh, a lot of us believe that some portion of that is a literal invasion. And that they intend to do harm to infrastructure uh, through terrorism and other, by other means. Um, how do you get out? Of, so you go back to the threshold question. I could understand the people who want to get out of China that or that want to get into this country to do us harm. I know how they're getting out of the country. How are the people right. who simply are... Economically, fleeing for economic reasons, how are they getting out of the country?
1: That, that's, a, that's another great question. So, uh, the, the Chinese still are allowed to travel and do things like to take a vacation. And there are places that the Chinese typically go to, to take their vacations. Well, what's happening is these lower middle class people are saving up every dime they have. They get to their vacation spot. And then they're, you know, they're back to the coyotes trying to trying to get them smuggled into, typically into Mexico. Well, the, the, the couple to. people
0: that Bill Malusian interviewed at the border said that uh, yes. a couple of the people said they were going, they they were Greece. Then they went to Mexico and then they marched across yes. the border.
1: Correct. Right. So they're, it's all through Mexico. Bob, but they're, you know, they're taking a vacation. They're going anywhere. And then they're, you know, they're, um, they're giving their life savings over to get to Mexico, and then they're trying to cross the border. And, and again, I have, I have a great deal of sympathy for that, that type of migrant because, again, these are educated people who want opportunities, and they're going to work hard. But as Bob describes, the, the difficulty is how do you determine which one of those people are the people that are the people we want and which one of those people are the people who are going to do some damage to the United States? So that's going to be a challenge for us as a, as a country. Um, but we are seeing that. Right. And we are starting to see that, you know, bit by bit, in addition to these gray zone infiltrators, you know, we're going to have to take a look at what do we do about this American dream and how do we you know, how do we best benefit from these migrants who might be very useful to us if we had a rational you know, yeah. migration policy, which, again, I don't want to get into. Right. Um, and then we, we discussed earlier about how, you know, the, the Taiwanese elections were somewhat favorable to the People's Republic of China because of more accommodating uh, KMT party won the most seats in the legislature. But even with that outcome, what the people in the people's Republic of China saw were elections, right? The Taiwanese people are making a choice. There wasn't one party rule. So the fact that there were elections makes all the one, uh, one China policy discussions that Z says that much more meaningless, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing that they're, that their citizens are looking at. Um, and again, it, it, it's possible That the abandonment of the china dream by the educated urban kind of lower middle class might not be the end of the regime but for the regime to maintain their control even absolute monarchs in the past have needed the consent of the nobles and that's why we study history folks so we can we can see this pattern happening over time that's just human nature when people feel that there are no prospects to improve their situation they least look for ways to vent their anger. And the danger is that this middle class could begin to make other decisions besides leaving to, this, to express their anger. And I would look at the very rapid lifting of the zero COVID restrictions by the regime as a most obvious recent example that the regime knows that and that they don't want to face these revolts. And the second thing I would look at is this big middle class departure from the country because the Chinese people are anxious that, and, and their bargain with the regime is starting to come apart it's impossible to know how it's, where it's going to lead, and hopefully it remains peaceful. But it's an absolute fact now that the Chinese, the disease China dream is becoming a nightmare for a lot of those people that live there.
0: Communism doesn't work. John, thank you does. as always, my friend. Uh, Monday Musings, focusing on China. We're going to keep watching it, and we appreciate
1: it so much. And thank you for the music, and thank you to your listeners for joining us again this morning. I do know I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. All right.
0: John Perillo, Monday Musings. We'll be back. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word.